Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I am really glad you have joined us. Tell me a story. Tell me a story that's going to make me laugh, or tell me a story that's going to make me cry. Tell me a story that's going to inspire me or move me. Tell me a story that I will never forget. A story that will creep back into my consciousness over and over, even at the most unexpected times. Are there any more powerful words in the English language than these six? Let me tell you a story. Storytelling is, of course, our oldest art form. It's a fundamental way of the way we relate to each other. But think of the ways that storytelling is changing how we can spread stories faster and more vividly than ever before, and how stories have become the inner lining of our instant social and cultural narratives. This hour, we are going to talk about storytelling, its history, and its rise at the hands of technology. And we have the three best possible guests to have that conversation. We're joined by Glenn Washington, who is a Detroit native and the host of WNYC's Snap Judgment. Uh, Glenn, welcome back to Detroit Today. It's so awesome to be here. Steve. And welcome home, of course. Thank you. Also, we have uh, Shannon Kaysen of Homemade Stories. He, he has an event later today that is part of the Detroit Podcast Festival. Shannon, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Steve. And we've got with us Satori Shakur, who is the host of the Secret Society of Twisted Storytellers monthly event and the host of WDED's original podcast, Twisted Storytellers. Satori, welcome back to the studio. Thank you. Yeah. So, Glenn, you are in town for this Detroit podcast. I am. Among other things. Uh, tell us what that is and uh, what you're doing in it. I get to do all kinds of things. It's great. <laughs> I, first of all, I don't even recognize what's happening in Detroit anymore. Uh, so right? I, I was I get lost <laughs> on, um, just walking down the street. So that's been interesting. But um, as far as the the, the 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 podcast festival itself, I just get to help out and tell stories. I'm going to an event later on today with uh, one of uh, WDET's own, and I get to be on Shannon Kaysen's uh, homemade stories live later on tonight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what's the idea of a podcast festival? Is this just a celebration of the idea of podcast? I think that what's going on right now is a recognition of a lot of things that have been happening for a long time, especially in a place like Detroit, where kind of you know there's, there's a lot of things bubbling around here. A lot, of, a lot of good things are happening. I think Detroit was one of the first places to kind of recognize that storytelling is a thing. Mm -hmm. I think that this is what I think. This is just my little uh, uh, supposition. I think that slam poetry was recognized early in Chicago and in New York. And I think that storytelling has maybe taken a little bit earlier route here in huh. Motown wow. um, and, um, and, and actually in Oakland. So I think that, because I think they're kind of um, related to each other. Yeah. But it's really wonderful to see it work. It's really wonderful to be sitting next to these great practitioners of the art. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be home. Yeah. No, it's great to have you here, of course. Uh, so let's talk about storytelling. Glenn, uh, you have talked about digging into your past to find the stories that make you uncomfortable and right. then uh, tell them and start sharing them. Does that process ever get easy? Is it always really difficult? Well, I kind of, I, I say that I learned storytelling the old-fashioned way, which is that I grew up in an end-of-days apocalyptic 
white supremacist Jesus cult. Yes, we have had we've had this conversation <laughs> yeah. on the show before. Last time you were here, so um, so I, so I kind of start. That's how we all learn. By the way, <laughs> I studied at the feet of masters, um, but I didn't. Uh, it was I was forced to be there, should I say? But um, and now I think, you know, where does he, where do these stories come from? I. I it's it's amazing. I I'm just like people say. Oh, it must be easier for you now. It must be easier for you now. I noticed when I was walking in here today, Stephen, you were writing this show. I was, and right, I, right up to the last minute. <laughs> and I feel like I know on Sunday I have to go in, set um Monday morning, and go and go into the booth to tell a story. My children know that Sunday night. Each and every week, I am losing my mind <laughs> because I don't have it. It's over. Yeah. Everything's done. I cannot. I don't have any more stories. I'm done. But in, in, invariably, something comes out. It always I, takes shape. It takes shape somehow. I really do think that um, the deadlines are the best uh, sort of uh, muse to storytelling because without it, I don't know that I would ever write a word. You wouldn't. You wouldn't ever get to to the actual creation of it you just and, fret over it yeah and the, the, i mean to to look at that blank page i think that that's i think that a lot of people can take comfort in that i am just as scared of that blank screen you know what is this 10 15 years on as i was when i first started hmm. and that we are all stare at that same blank screen or that same <laughs> empty piece of paper and something's got to happen. And um, it really is, for me, it's be- I, I try to go deep inside. I try to be cathartic. Sometimes it's frantic. Um, but um, it, it is ama- what is amazing to me is once I do get an idea, maybe an, uh, an incident, a thing, uh, something that happened, um, when I just sit and kind of lean into it a little bit, the, the picture starts coming back to me, I remember the kid's name who was hmm. sitting next to me on the bus. I remember what the, the teacher's um, cologne smelled like. <laughs> I, everything starts kind of coming back. And I, I mean, I don't have to be a reporter about it, but I those details, it's, I, I find it, it's really a time machine if I let it if I let it go and I'm, I stop being scared yeah. and just say, let me just think about this, this thing. Um, and try to fill in these details. What happened? What happened? What happened? And you know what's funny about it too is that people say, oh, "Do you exaggerate the story?" And um, like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, <laughs> I have to actually go the other way. You pull it back. I have to pull it back because if I say what really happened, well, nah, <laughs> no one would believe nah, it. Nah, that didn't go down. I always have that question about uh, people who tell stories, uh, you know, all the time, especially. For entertainment, like uh, David Sedaris, I, I, I've always wondered: is that stuff true? Like the stuff he tells about growing up and and his family and these really wild things that went on. You, you're always sort of wondering whether it's done for effect or whether that really happened. I think Sedaris said he was truthy. <laughs> truthy, <laughs> I love that. I don't word, know. Right? I think that's what he said about his own stories. Um, I, I know that I take a different tact. Um, I wanted to be as accurate as I can be, but I, I I find my own sort of background to be like a lucid dream. Huh. This is what's funny. Um, I was I'm trying to write about my my childhood just recently, 
and I was on I was on tour and I was in Florida and I and I and a, a woman came up to me and she was my next door neighbor when I was five years old. Wow. Wow. And I was just so I was excited. I was so happy to see her. I couldn't believe it. And then I started running some of these stories. But now, did you live in a house covered with dirt with a farm <laughs> on top of it? That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and she said, "Well, yeah, you know, pops ran out of money and." We couldn't finish the top floor, so we just put a bunch of dirt on there and we put a farm on <laughs> so there. That really I was happened. Like, oh, for real? And did I? I was the one who got was on the horse when it was stung by a bee and got thrown in the pond, and somebody had to get me out because I was going to drown. Yeah, you were the dummy. <laughs> and it just went to confirm a lot of that stuff that I, you know, I would have probably written about it anyway. But now I feel a lot better that it wasn't just. The imaginings of my crazy. I got at least some confirmation. <laughs> this was this was some this, somewhat true. This right? was this was where it was happening, and um and and because we both um both of us had, how would you say um, interesting fathers. Yeah, uh, we yeah. had some interesting story. You've got an interesting father. You got some interesting. Say, are there with are you. there uninteresting fathers out there? Ah, uh, you know what? <laughs> those are there uninteresting day? parents out there? It, it is so funny. You know, you um the. The, the you, you look at these people, these people that you went to school with, the people that you knew as children, as crazy as they were, those people are somebody's mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that makes me frightened inside myself <laughs> um, to think that all these clowns that I would, that, you know, okay, I'm going to need you to put eight mm-hmm. barrels uh, there instead of five. <laughs> we're going to jump it with this motorbike. It's going to be great. That guy is somebody's daddy. Spawned and is raising a child right. somewhere, right? Right, <laughs> probably several. Shannon and Satori, do you want to talk about uh, this this idea of digging through the past and how easy or difficult that is? Well, my uh, our mission is to connect, heal, and transform. Yeah. So, going to the past is. Um, sort of revisiting whatever your story is like you're saying I, about the these folks are fathers now uh, I reconnected with my first ex-husband he I, I was in a communications course they say who who are some people that you have not completed with that you still got and his name was on there but it wasn't like it was any big deal you know it was like 12 years I haven't talked to you you're dead <laughs> you know but that was an exercise so I reached out to him I didn't even know where he was he was on Facebook I found him January uh, December 31st New Year's Eve he called and the first thing I did I thanked him for our son who has passed yeah. and I thanked him for recognizing that I had comedic talents you know when I just didn't know about it. Hmm. I thanked him for his intellectual challenge to me because he was reading Egyptian Book of the Dead when I was reading Stephen King. So hmm. he elevated my, <laughs> he was an entrepreneur peddling his records. I thanked him for all of that. And then I apologized. I apologized because I had held him hostage to a story I had about him 12 years ago, 20 years ago. Wow. And it wasn't good story. You know, we, you know, we didn't ever revisit our our divorce and really get into the healing part of it. And I apologized. I said, look, I had you somebody else. And, uh, and then he says, well, thank you. I'm proud of what you're doing. I know what gym you go to. I follow you on Facebook. (laughs) And then he started to say, thank you. And he said, uh, you know, I stopped playing music after Noah died. 
I didn't have anybody to talk to. And I'm thinking, I didn't even think about his grief. It was all about, you know, my grief. I, he was, you know, and he says, um, I, I have a radio station. I'm in Florida now. Uh, I went back to school. I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm a Chinese, do- a doctor of Chinese medicine. I'm not even Muslim anymore. I'm a Buddhist. And so I'm like, before I called him, before I picked up that phone, he was a Muslim. He was no good. Right. He, was, <laughs> it was all those things <laughs> all those that things you had remembered and cast him in forever. Locked him in. Yeah. And, but I give myself the freedom. I'm different now. Yeah. That was five minutes ago. <laughs> I'm, grow- I'm growing. See, I'm here now. I'm here. And I give myself the freedom. So I, when I looked at that, I thought, wow, you know. How many people am I imprisoning with some stories about them from two years ago? Not only that, I have a granddaughter, 17. She never knew her father. She met her father at her funeral. So I'm thinking, wow, all these relatives are in Detroit, lawyers, police officers, firemen. And her grandfather is is a towering intellectual. He's a musician. He's a great person to have in her life. And she has access to her father in a way I can't. So I'm thinking, wow, how many people? Let me let me go through my little address right. book and start calling people up and 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 apologizing to them for locking them into a, a not growing. So healing is important. You have to go back to the past, although the past is gone. You're not. It's but what happens is you carry a wound. You carry you 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 carry misinterpretations or whatever. So it's good to clean out. And um, I, of course, how do we run out of stories? How can we run out of stories when we're creating them every day we wake up? It's just that people judge their stories and say, oh, that's not interesting. That's boring. But really, just be alive is an interesting thing to do. And so I find I find things in the mundane because I, I tell stories, but I see I am a storyteller. Right. So I look into the life, into the symbols and see what those symbols, what the story of those symbols are on, on a larger level. But I like to stay clear. I, I like to not have a bunch of crap in my space um, because I can't see. I can't speak. I can't feel if if I'm all clogged up. Yeah. So storytelling is a superpower. Everybody has one and they can bring one out and and share it. And all of a sudden, you know, however many people are listening can take a piece of that away and have something for themselves. Because how can I live just one life, my one little life? So that's why I love working with people in their stories, because uh, it's like I get bigger and bigger and bigger. Thank you for Kerry Leon Jackson. He's coming back for it. Is he coming yeah, back? He coming yeah, coming back because we talk about reparation. Uh, well, what size you think I'm on? I said, I don't, you know, but I want to hear what people think about reparation, not just in terms of, you know, healing the wounds of uh, enslaved people, but what is reparation? What what's the what is the action of that? What is the actual power? How do you fix of, what went wrong? Yeah, you, you, I don't, we had a woman in our storytelling workshop because they talk about the podcast festival. One of the things I've done is conduct a storytelling workshop. A very interesting group of, of people and the reasons that they were there, they want to tell better stories, but, um, and I, and I uh, forgot what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, 
Oh, yeah. So, yeah, with the pot, that's one of the ladies in the workshop, One of she wanted to tell a story so she could fix the past. And I said, well, how can you fix the past? I mean, it's gone. It's disappeared. And I, what what is it that, you know, how is that possible to do? You know, unless... You, so she then got up and told her story, and what it was was that she felt abandoned as a girl, as a child by her parents, so she was going to make sure she didn't abandon her kid, and so she went through all this ordeal to get to her kid from camp, to mm. meet her from camp. And when the when she got there, her daughter looked at her like, really? Really, Mom? <laughs> so she couldn't fix the past, but she could heal herself and know I have the ability to show up for my my kid, you yeah. know, even if my kid don't appreciate it. Right. So it's a discovery. I love doing the workshops because there's the people that are participating all become the community and the support of the other people that they have not even met. And the things that come up, like one woman used the word ghetto, it triggered the whole room. You know? <laughs> ghetto, I said, well, what is ghetto? And she described the houses and, and everything. And I said, well, when you're telling your story, if you use the word ghetto, actually describe those homes. I said, because in storytelling, you, you want people, I don't have a judgment of what you're saying, but you want people to keep going. Storytelling is about this. Moving, pushing, and pushing. Stay with you, you want them to stay with. So if you go ghetto and people go, what she say? What, what's she talking about? <laughs> you know, you're she's now three, four seconds, four, ten, and you miss something. So I said, you have to be a. You don't. You can't know everybody's triggers, but you got to notice when trigger you do trigger, mm-hmm. and then go back and sh- 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 adjust, make some adjustments. Yeah. So I yeah. was just letting her know, hey, don't. You know, <laughs> one guy when I was in the Netherlands doing putting the secret society twisted storytellers up there. He was talking about a story. He got in a cab with the with the Uber driver in Cincinnati because he wanted to figure out how to end racism. He wanted to see for himself black people. <laughs> and so he says, and so the nigger drive up and the cab. What? The nigger? <laughs> and so I said, I'm not judging the thing, but well, why did you say nigger? He said, because he said he's a rapper. And he said he, and in his music was, I said, oh, I said, so you got to say that in the story. Yeah, you got to give, give a context. context or else it just sounds like, you know, your nigger pulled up and, you know, and you're from the Netherlands and, you know, yeah. Black Pete and all Can't that. say you that. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Great. Yeah. Great. Shannon, go ahead. Yeah, well, storytelling for me, I mean, I go into my past and I, I always look at things like my perception, which I can only do anyway, you know, obviously. So it's I just kind of really dive into what my real perception of the situation that I'm going through is. Mm. And I try to be force myself to be as honest as possible. Like if somebody breath was smelling really bad in the store, you know, I talk <laughs> about it. But but a lot of it is I talk about me. So I like challenge myself to be the bad guy in my stories because I don't always have the the best thoughts or the most redeemable qualities in every single thing. So I'll, I'll challenge those things, and I find when I do that, it connects with the audience because they they feel an opening for them to be honest about something, you know. So so that's my real my real. Cause I got stories I talk about child support, my first wife. I talk about. Uh, infidelity, I'll talk about addiction, mm. you know, but I'll try to be as honest as possible that's in a hard, real though, way. Right? I mean, that's really hard. I mean, yeah, you're talking about dark I, things. There. Yeah, when I, when I feel the freedom to do it, you know, I'm not having therapy on stage telling these <laughs> stories, but I, I <laughs> when I when I feel the freedom to do it, and I when I go there, 
I try to really go there and talk about the muck of it because I think that honesty is what what really gets people. Yeah. You know, so that's that's my focus in storytelling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even the past stuff. I remember Facebook happened, and everybody. Uh, I had a story about. Actually, I told it on your your show, Glenn, about a uh, a girl that I was seeing in church. Yes, you and did. they called me in front of the church because we had sex. And they called us in front of the church. Now, we 25, 26 years old, but we was like in the church. they called you out in front yeah, of the church? Yeah, yeah, because she told the pastor that we had sex. I'm like, why you do it? Can we and then have they God a few up more times before? <laughs> <laughs> but we, we went in front of the church oh my and had to confess our sins to everybody, even in the balcony, the whole crowd. And uh, That's crazy. That is a little crazy. <laughs> she hit me on Facebook. <laughs> and was she, you know, was like, hey. And said, let's get it in a few more times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just no, she said, she said. She, <laughs> she said, she right, said. Remember I, where we are. We are on the air. I got you. I got you. <laughs> she, she said, uh, um, um, although that was true, you know, can you can you remove that story? Oh, she didn't want you telling that story. But it's my story. You get what I'm saying? It wasn't her name. And she's a but she's the one who told the story. She told the story to the pastor. She she yeah, she she that's the the thing with this storytelling. Everything I'm not a, I'm not about agreement with everything. You get what I'm saying? Everything don't have to be uh checked off in a in a democratic way. It's my story. I didn't the one thing, if you listen to it, I'm never really talking about her in the story. So I do have old situations in David Sedaris, you, Satori, everybody. When you put people in your story, there is the risk that people will spring back up. They may not like yeah, it. Or, yeah. Yeah. I right. have storytellers that will uh, email me and say, can you take my story down? I'm, I'm uh, interviewing for a job. And then they'll uh, three or four months later, they'll call and say, can you put my story back up? I'm interviewing for a job. <laughs> so I just give them the link on privately. The job, right? <laughs> I say, here's the link. Whenever you want to turn it on, you can turn it on. You can turn it on because I don't. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about storytelling with Glenn Satori and Shannon. We're going to talk a bit about Satori's new season of her podcast, Twisted Storyteller. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. We are talking this hour about storytelling, one of the oldest art forms we have, and how it may be changing in an era of instant socialization and communication. Uh, I've got three wonderful, wonderful storytellers with us this hour. Glenn Washington is the host of WNYC's Snap Judgment, which airs on WDET on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. and 11 p.m. and on Sundays at 7 p.m. I've also got Satori Shakur here. She is the host of Twisted Storytellers, which has just dropped a brand new season with stories about immigration available now wherever you get your podcasts. And also with us is Shannon Kaysen, the host of Homemade Stories. Uh, They're also here talking about the Detroit Podcast Festival, which is taking place right now uh, in downtown Detroit. Um, Satori, I want to start with you this segment uh, and talk about this new season of 
Twisted Storytellers. This is season three, wow. which uh, you know that that means it's a thing, right? Like, you do season one, charming. and you don't know if you're going to get it renewed, right? And then mm-hmm. you do, and then you don't know if you're going to mm-hmm. be able to keep it going. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've got to that point. Tell us what to expect from season three. Well, season three is a it's a very moving season. We're, immigration is a very very um, it's it's one of the issues of the day. Uh, we we're daily there are reports, but who are the people who are immigrating here? Why did they come, uh, and why is there the judgment that there is when, as as uh, Muhammad Al Sharkawi said on our show last week, I came to from Egypt. I came to America because everybody in America is foreign. Except the Native Americans, <laughs> and we Native forget Americans, right. we forget that. Except African Americans, we you know we landed. Well, we didn't land; we were drug. Uh, but let's not go into that because that'll take a long time, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and not pretty. Uh, but we have um, Hamisi Mamba, whose wife was a human activist, yeah, and he's uh, telling his story. And I mean, the patriotism that comes through that story. I'm not going to tell you what their stories are. Um, uh, Shahed Atia from Baghdad, who came as an attorney. Uh, I mean, she studied attor- um, law, and she wondered why there were only three African Americans in her law class. She falls in love with the African American man, and <laughs> the dilemma. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Ali Al Arithi from Iraq. Uh, was a refugee, first went to Sudan and then came to the United States of America and was told by his second grade teacher he cannot read and the journey he took to become who he is now. Uh, We have uh, Claire Gazma Magara, who is a Rwandan uh, genocide survivor and and, uh, also born with HIV. She's 35, wasn't expected to live beyond seven. She has two children, beautiful children. But it's her story of seeing the uh, the, uh, white supremacists, Jews will not replace us, and flashing back to when she was 10 and heard the chants coming through her her town and her her journey. Um, We have uh, Carlos Nielbach. Uh, uh, now we know him as a Detroit artist, sure. but he was born in Germany, a biracial, a, 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 a German mother, and um, his father was in the service, but it was illegal. Uh, Miss Segna Jason was mm-hmm. illegal in Germany, so he was, he, his father went back home, which happened to be Detroit, and he was raised by his grandfather, who had been a Nazi. And uh, raised his son lovingly and his sister. So he comes to Detroit, and then the story is that story ensues. Who else is on the show? I can't. I, these are the show. These are the stories that come to the stage at the right, and then Joan Isabella. I have to give all is the credit a, to Joan Isabella Sambobian. They're the she's ones. She's our that, program director. She's here. the program um, director, and she makes as, uh, she magics it yeah. into a podcast. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. she and I come in and that's I a say great stuff. way to say that. She yeah. magics it. Into yeah, that. she does. Yeah, and she thinks of like you know we have so many stories, so she thinks of let's laugh. So I find all this laughing. Stories gonna, well, I was going to say. I mean, the, uh, each of the stories that you recounted there is is pretty dark. Again, like uh, how do you find some sort of Levity. Uh, well, when you're talking about something as serious as that, well, we their stories are not dark. The issue is dark. 
what the stories the are. The story, they all are coming here with hope and possibility, and mm. they discover what they discover, but they hang on to their hope, and that hope takes them where they are to stand on the stage and tell their tell their story. So immigration has become a very dark issue, but it has been, this is United States of America's policy since United States. Since the beginning, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, we're, it's, it's politicized right now. And so we want to look at the human beings that are coming here, why they're coming here, the contributions that they're making while they're here. One of the, when I went to the National Museum of African American History, that's one of the things that made me cry, that I was struck by the all of the crimes against humanity, the oppression, the intent to keep people down. I can tell you what's going to happen in, in episode four of Handmaid's Tale because I saw it in 1853 with Margaret Atwood. Wow. Um, anyway, and then, you, you know, the women sitting there with the babe, blank eyes with the white babies on there. I saw, I, and the woman jumping out. I hope she died when she hit the f- ground. Because why, who, what was she running from, you know, that she would want to face? So I, all of that, but then go to the fourth floor, the third floor, the contributions, the barriers, the records. I mean, come on. And you're trying to keep these people down. It's like, we're a good investment. Come <laughs> on, give them, you know, it's like, it's reparation. It's, I don't know whether it's about money or about education and housing. Just, just give the. Just give that peace of there, mind. Right? If you start with that peace of mind, then think about what you can do if you didn't have a home, you didn't have shoes, and you still produce the president of the United States, who at last night's debate, all I can say is that Joe Biden made the case for what a great president Obama was. President Obama <laughs> told me to go get the troops out, and I got the troops. Well, President Obama was leading. And so um, I just, anyway, I don't even get to the, to the debate, but I really would like to. I loved your show yesterday, and that is oh, the yeah, podcast. Just go the download movie. the podcast, yeah, everybody. Go, go, find absolutely. the human beings to hope. Find your own patriotism in these stories, your own joy and freedom of being an American. Yeah. Because when you hear somebody first come here and tell their story, you're re-energized as an, as an American. American and the hope and yeah it's a reminder of why we're putting up with all of this uh, craziness yes, right so. now right because <laughs> we we actually believe somehow that uh, this will work out i want to talk a little about how storytelling is changing given uh technology and uh, the technologies that are making sort of storytelling look different and and podcast is 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 one of them of course but uh glenn uh, you know I, I feel like you exist in every sort of dimension of the, the, the storytelling universe, right? Uh, you are telling stories through podcasts and on the radio. You have live shows. You have these sort of more intimate uh, uh, gatherings. But, but talk about the work across all those different dimensions. Does it take on different dynamics when you're doing it uh, as a podcast versus uh, on, a, on a live stage uh, or in a workshop? Yeah, it does. It's a different thing. We try to have the some of the same energy, the same swagger to, to the show, but it's a very different thing. Um, most of our stories that we do on Snap, we're talking to people who would never get on any one stage. Um, ten hours of interview might become part of a ten-minute um, aired piece, um, and that's the magic of editing. Mm-hmm. That editing is is it's really. Um, 
you know, no, it's it's so, we, the the tools that we have right now to make things come alive, to say what is the good part, to the refinement, and to do it again and again and again and go through. Um, you know, it's funny when someone says, well, "I didn't know I could I could tell a story that well." Well, you can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was from, that was part of that process that we had to go through, um, and 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 uh, and the and it's and it is amazing that those tools. <laughs> Uh, that, that we have that we can that the tools change everything and um so but you know obviously when someone goes on stage they have to rock the story they have to do that from from top to bottom that's yeah. a very very different thing but you know there too the tools the the fact that we can have 15 tracks of audio um and to help back up that person mm. and and this too i think the the biggest tool is this people think that someone rolled out of bed, that Shannon Kaysen rolled out of bed and went up there and told a story of that um, revealed himself. <laughs> he did not. He did not. The the um the amount of work that has to go before you like if you if you're gonna have to, I think that you know, if we do a if we do a regular piece where we interview someone and we make a story out of it, the work is in the story itself. The right. work is in the cutting and the editing and the music and everything like that. But if you're gonna go on stage and rock a story, that work all happens beforehand. You gotta work that thing again and again and again. I know that Shannon works it. I've seen our storytellers. I remember um, someone said, "Boy, I can't believe he just went out there and the band was magically in sync with him, and um, <laughs> he just went and told that story." That like seemed that. to work out yeah, perfectly. Pretty cool how that worked. This is the 37th iteration oh, yeah. of this particular story, and I am thrilled that. The process seems invisible, and that I think the better we are, the more invisible the process will be. But make no mistake, um, the work that has to go into this stuff is just incredible. And now, because there's been such an explosion in the space, you gotta you don't just get to stay on top <laughs> of whatever it is. You gotta keep that work going, yeah. and it's been great to ha- uh, uh, watch other um, entrants into the field, but. Um, you know, it's it, it just it makes you realize, you know, you got to stay in your game one yeah. way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Shannon, uh, talk about the different ways in which you tell stories and whether the different sort of setting or context makes you tell the story differently. Totally. I mean, totally. For me, I, uh, I uh, do the podcast and I write as well as uh, do the stage show. Like I've done Snap Judgment a lot and um, – for me, like the podcast, just what Glenn was saying, I can edit. So I can mess up. I can play around. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, and I try to be natural in my podcast. I think that, that that's very important uh, to be natural in whatever you do, the radio. So I, I, I'm natural on my podcast, but I try to keep that same natural because it's me, you know. <laughs> and when I bring it to the stage, it's natural, but it is rehearsed and practiced. So I, I practice and rehearse, but I I, I want to be the same natural in 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 both contexts. But with a with the audience that's going to react immediately, I adjust. Do you? So I adjust to an audience. If I had a in my head a big big performance piece that I was going to do, waving my hands, jumping all around, and I get to a show and it's. 15 people in the audience of <laughs> I'm going to feel a little silly You're up not there doing, doing that. that. <laughs> so I adjust sometimes for that audience because I, the, the biggest thing for me, I want that audience to have a good time. 
So if I know I'm going to shock and scare the audience, I'll switch it up and switch up my performance to, to have that audience have the best time possible. So that's one of my things that I always do. Because when I do set in my mind, this is the way I'm going to do it, and that's what I'm going to do, I've had too many horror stories with that. You know, <laughs> you can you can bomb in storytelling yeah. as well. You yeah. know? So, so, yeah. Um, so just over the time of 10 years of doing this, I've, I've learned to adjust for podcasts, for stage, and then for Paige as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, these performances, those are, these are duets between the storyteller and the audience. Hmm. Um, and you want to That's a really interesting word forth. to use, right? You, yeah, you want to you wanna have that their energy, but also their reaction is almost a punctuation to your to your piece. You, yeah. They're the periods and the dashes and the exclamation points. And being able to, you know, help them, they help you tell that story, at least to that particular audience. And knowing how to use an audience well, which I've seen, like again, Shannon's a master of this, is it's really important to storytelling. And, and I know for myself, it's very, very different to go into a studio. I think I know how someone's going to react to such and such a line. I, I imagine how they might act, and I'll deliver the story in a studio. Then go and do the same story on stage. If And here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. If you really knew how the audience was always going to react, you would make nothing but hits, and you would uh, you'd always go down, right? No, no musician would ever have a failing tune. No one tries to get up there and mess up. And, and, that's, and that's the thing. In a studio, you think you know what's yeah, going on. Yeah. You might not. Right. Like you, you even brought up David Sedaris. I think he does some of his, his, his writing based on the audience. And I do some of that. You know, I've, I've told a story about getting arrested as a Boy Scout, going to my Boy Scout meet and getting arrested and beat it up by the police. The first time I told that story, I told it as a funny story. It was funny because me and my friends, we laughed about it. But then I saw the audience in horror <laughs> while I'm telling the story, and it was like, okay, for the audience, they don't see that story like me and my friends saw that story laughing at each other. Yeah. Man, you look so scared when he punched you in the face. <laughs> you know, we laughed about it. I guess as a coping mechanism, but then I changed the story later. Not everybody would necessarily to switch get it to that, a more right? yeah. powerful story and keep some of the levity in it, you know. Yeah. But more, but really thought about the the over the overarching uh, things that were happening in that story. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, Satori, you you work with new storytellers a lot, uh, the, and again, these these different platforms and and mediums uh, that that you're using have to influence the way that uh, that you tell them to tell the story. Well, I I come from a live medium, stage, theater, stand-up comedy, any like that. So, and I'm a director, I'm so I don't I don't I don't do things in the studio. I I don't have that talent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I work with the directly with the storyteller because that's my joy. Yeah. And um and it every month I'm supporting someone with the craft to tell their story and so you know you can get bored starting at the beginning you know <laughs> so I, I just play with different ways to tell the same story I just play with with what they say and you know why don't you start here and then flash back or whatever because because it may be important it's just setting things up so I so everything when they go on stage and tell their stories that's that's the performance yeah and um, and so we will have work together enough so that they have their boat that they can put on the water. And then I'm always shocked because the audience the audience will find stuff 
I didn't even know that was funny. I mean, Al, I mean, Muhammad comes talks, talking about coming from Egypt and getting divorced and everything. And, but it was also, he was partially blind, but very sensitive to listening. And, for, and so he was so connected that uh, when, they, when he says, and I met a woman, ha, 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 walking and talking. So he, he knows how to like be a duet. I call yeah. it the soulmate, the stories. Tell, the listener is very important. I always emphasize in my live shows that you have a job, stories aren't coming at you, and you're just sitting back there. You, this is the this is the most highly interactive yeah. thing in the world. So you your your job is to listen, which is very hard. But I believe it's a revolutionary act to actually listen to somebody because mostly we don't listen. Mostly we're going, I don't agree with that. Look at this shirt. He's got something hanging. You know, so we're either looking, listen to agree, to judge. And it's like, what if we just put that aside, go on this journey, and then, because it's all waiting for us when we get back all our judge, yeah. and go on the journey. But that's the thing. If you can go, but you have to have a story that's compelling enough to have people go with you. And so most people, like Glenn said, no, you can't tell. You can't. You don't know how it, there. There's get people are gifted to, to be able, but there is a craft. And if you are, if you are aware of the craft, you can tell a great story. Yeah. All right. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we are going to wrap up with our storytellers, and we're going to talk with Shannon Kaysen about his event tonight. That is part of the Detroit Podcast Festival. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about storytelling this hour, and we're talking about it with three expert storytellers. Glenn Washington is the host of WNYC's Snap Judgment. Satori Shakur is the host of Twisted Storytellers, and Shannon Kasten is the host of Homemade Stories. Uh, Shannon, I want to start with you uh, this segment. Uh, the Detroit Podcast Festival, which is happening uh, all over town uh, this week, uh, you have a pretty cool event scheduled uh, yeah. as part of that tonight at 8 p.m. at the Hockey Town Cafe. Tell me about that event. Well, uh, Homemade Stories Live, I've been doing a live show for a while. So Homemade Stories is a podcast. It's a storytelling podcast, but it's pretty much mostly my stories. But uh, at the live event, I can invite friends to tell <laughs> stories as well. So I tell stories, friends tell stories, and also a storyteller from the audience. So I like to I always open up all my events for for open mic storyteller because I think it's like new people coming through the ranks yeah. of storytelling. Yeah. I like it storytelling as entertainment. So I think it's some new new entertainers out there who storytellers. So uh, the event is at eight o'clock at Music Town and ten dollars and and we're gonna hear stories from myself, Lily B, a Chicago storyteller, one of my favorites. She's she's an amazing storyteller coming to town. And then Glenn Washington, some I, random I, guy I, named I, Glenn yeah, Washington. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I grabbed him by the collar and said, "Hey," because he was in town. And I said, "Hey, just stop by." That's what I said, so I didn't have to pay a speaking fee. I said, hey, just, just stop by, Glenn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and just show your face. It's one of those you know. sly invitations. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's 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 today at eight p.m. and um, um, it should be fun. The theme is brutally honest storytelling. I like to get I say brutally honest because honesty, vulnerability. People talk about that all the time, mm -hmm. but 
do you really go there? You know, so I like to, I, I know Lily B does, so you're going to well, hear something and, from Lily and, and then myself. Do. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. That is, uh, that's one of your real trademarks, right? Yeah, is, yeah, so. Is that vulnerability. Um, and, and again, like, how do you how do you decide how far is far enough with that? I, I always w- wonder when you know, to, as you say, to pull back uh, and not, not go to a, uh, a further space on something. Well, I believe in a thing called intuition. You know, you know, I mean, for myself, I know like when I've gotten under a situation, like I can control it. I, I see it myself control, not controlling it, but I feel I'm at a place where I can, I can have control over the situation. If I'm out of control, I can't really talk about mm. it. So it's things that's going on in my life right now that's probably going to be great stories five, ten, Someday, twenty years from right. now. You know, but I'm not going to talk about that right now because it's 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 immediate. I'm still dealing with it. I don't even know the ramifications of it. So if I go and talk about, uh, uh, you know, my stepmother <laughs> or my mother-in-law, <laughs> I should say, you know, I might be in trouble. But <laughs> but ten years from now, it might be a great story. You right. get what I'm saying? <laughs> right. I got your stepmother I gotta, and your mother-in-law. No, no, that no, is no, a great. No, yeah, that's yeah, a great yeah, story. I know, that's amazing, right there. Yeah. It? it happens though. You know, yes, hey, it we, does. We, that's brutally honest, there. <laughs> <laughs> Life happens. It does. That's right. It's That's a right. different level of honesty. That idea of time, though, is interesting, yeah. right? The right time to be able to tell a story because <laughs> you're you're in the right place with the with the story itself and with the information. And I mean, and Glenn, I, and I'm reminded of you know the stories that you tell about uh, the way you grew up. Uh, you and I went to went to college together um, at the University of Michigan. I don't know that these were stories you would have been telling then. No the- way. <laughs> no way. I was trying to keep my head down and not reveal myself as this crazy weirdo person. Um, the thing of it is, is that I think the storytelling, I do, and, 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 um, and Shane and I are similar in this, that they're born of um, picking at scabs. You really want to, um, but you got to wait for a while and make sure that it is scab. If you have a, if you have a wound, you don't want to tell a story about that. The story comes from the scab, huh. and um, and and being able to lean into it. Once you do, once there is some sort of, I don't want to say healing, but maybe that's the best word. Once you've 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 kind of tackled it a little bit, then you can maybe make a narrative out of it. But I think too, there's a lot of things going on in my world right now where I don't know how to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Storytelling is distilled life, right? And 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 these endings that we tack on these stories, they're they're that's an artifice. Stories don't end. Right. That's 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 just something that we we put on these things, and the stories that I'm dealing with right now, I don't know how to make that ending stick because this story ain't over, and it's not over for me. And oftentimes, you know, when I'm trying to tell my own story and not getting someone else's, you know, I won't tell a story necessarily about my kids. And listen, in a very, very generalistic sort of situation, mm-hmm. they've got their own stories to live, even if it's something that's going on, or, or, you know, this interaction. I want to I make, I don't, I want to make it the world safe for them to live their lives without someone saying, oh, I heard this about right. you. I, I heard, heard your dad about talking about you. Yeah, right? yeah, something like that. <laughs> but it's hard enough, right, to be a kid with, and so I, you want to leave that space, um, I, I guess I'm just saying that 
these story these stories really are life distilled and life is hard and you're going <laughs> to give yourself a little space, a little time and a little distance before you start crafting that life into any kind of narrative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so how do you end the stories is always that that question, right? Uh, yeah. How do you pick a way to signal an end but not try to sort of wrap it up as though it's a, well, this tidy thing? Here's the thing, though. The, you know what? The, the tidy thing, I, I don't think that we need tidy. I'm, I call it mining the gap, Stephen. It's like this. If I tell you what a story means, at the end of it, if I do an NPR ending, your mind stops. I got it. I get it. I go on about the business, my business. If instead I give you an emotional ending or tell you what I was feeling, but I never tell you what the story means, mm-hmm. and I will never tell you what the story means. If I never tell you what the story means, that story's now that's yours. You think about it now. You walk through, that's the story you tell your mom, your, your sister, your spouse, everything like that. And that's what the point is in the first place. I want you to have a vicarious experience. I want you, we call it, um, we, we, want, we think that the world is a better place if you understand someone else's story. We think that you hate less if you can live someone else's life. Yeah. So I want you to have that story. How do I give it to you? I do it by, by ending in a way that it becomes yours, and I don't, I don't stop that brain of yours from from seizing hold of the story. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. All right. That's a perfect ending. <laughs> uh, that's a tidy that ending. Right? <laughs> All right. Uh, Glenn Washington, host of NYC's WNYC Snap Judgment. Always great to see you when you are in town. Thanks for coming by. Great to be here. Satori Shakur, host of Twisted Storytellers, whose third season is now available where you can download podcasts. Always great to see you here in the studio. Thank you. And Shannon Kaysen, host of Homemade Stories. People can come see you tonight at 8 p.m. Uh, at Music Town Detroit, which is upstairs at Hockey Town Cafe at 8 p.m. This is part of the Detroit Podcast Festival. Thanks Most for coming definitely. by. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back on Monday. Uh, You don't want to tune in. We're going to take a deeper dive into the meaning and implications of the big Supreme Court decisions that we saw this week on gerrymandering and on the U.S. Census. Uh, Detroit Today is produced by Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And our associate producers are Anna Marie Seisling and Gus Navarro. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET. Sam Bobian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday. <laughs>